I think we are in on page eight of our booklet um, at uh, Ephesians 3, 7, and 8. There's a little uh, uh, point there. Uh, a ministry given to Paul. Uh, I'm just going to read two verses and make some uh, points there. Uh, it says in verse number seven, Paul speaking, writing to the church at Ephesus, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Uh, man, uh, listen, uh, where, what, where Paul is about to go uh, in the next quite a few verses here in Ephesians we really would do well to pay attention because as much as this applied to Paul, obviously it did, uh, what Paul is ultimately sharing with us is now what we're supposed to do, okay? So we're going to learn a lot about our ministry this morning, if, uh, if I could say it that way. Uh, again, we're going to learn a lot about our ministry this morning. So, uh, the fill in the blank there, uh, most of you probably already know what the fill in the blank at this point. Uh, it says, Paul may, was made a minister, a minister. This was his special apostleship as uh, a minister. And so uh, we hear that word, we drop that word, and a lot of times I think uh, people associate the word minister or ministry with the office of the pastor. And let me just say, that is not true. We are all ministers. And so we want to make sure we grab onto that. Now, uh, in Romans 15, 15, uh, Paul writing says this, Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God. Sounds very similar to what he just said there in Ephesians. But he goes on to say, uh, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God. So, uh, obviously, what I'm going to say to everybody is, okay, do you think that sounds like something we're supposed to be doing? I know we're, not, I know we're missing some people. We could be a little louder up in here. What do you all think? Yes, thank you, Cheyenne. Thank you. Uh, listen. We are all ministers. And so the definition, and let's define, because Paul defines it for us right here, what a minister does. He ministers what? The gospel of God. So being a minister then is directly tied to the work of the Lord. That's what it's tied to. And so if we were to uh, uh, backtrack and go, oh, well, what's the work of the Lord? Well, then we go to John 17 and we come to the conclusion based on verses 6, 8, and 18 that it is winning people to Christ, building them up in their faith, sending them out to do the same thing. Listen, Paul understood something. Paul understood something very, very important. People without Christ are going to hell. Now, I remember there was a time where I thought that was baloney. I thought that was a joke. I remember a time where I thought that when people preach that stuff, man, come on, man, get, get away from me, you Bible-thumping crazy nut. Uh, I've come to the conclusion that, you know, we can be very, very, very selfish in our thinking. We can be very, very arrogant and prideful in our thinking. Be careful, because if you're wrong about that one, Eternity is a long time, and hell's hot for all those that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. He paid a penalty that you and I absolutely must pay. Whether we like it, whether we want to or not, is not the issue here. It's the reality. And we have to come to the, to, to the place where we realize that this book is more than just words on a page. Uh, Justin and I have been doing some, uh, uh, what we did is uh, we, we've gone back into the Old Testament. And uh, what, I, what, I, what I instructed him to do was, uh, and we just randomly picked chapters, 
we did Exodus 11, 12, and 13. Then we did Numbers 11, 12, and 13. Next week, we're doing Deuteronomy 11, 12, and 13. And what I told him is, hey, I just want you to read and find Jesus. Just find Jesus in the chapters. And uh, <laughs> uh, what do you think? <laughs> we're, we're doing okay. <laughs> uh, we're finding Jesus in a lot of places. But as we were talking about, and here's the crazy part. Here's the thing I want you all to really, really grasp. There is no way, there is no way a man thousands of years before Christ ever even walked this earth could have wrote that and then without making any mistakes, with no issues at all, be dead on to what was going to happen. There are so many evidences to this book that are beyond our ability to understand, and I'm sure we're going to keep finding more and more as we go. But I'm just telling you, man, I was there. There was a time when I thought this book was a joke and just written by a bunch of men, and why does anybody pay attention to it? I'm just telling you, Hebrews 11, 1 and 2 is alive and well. Okay? We do not believe in a faith based on blindness. There is evidence to this, and there is more evidence than most people will ever take the time to figure it out. But when you do figure it out, when you do take the time to come to this book and actually give it its due, God will show you and I, he's alive and well. And not only is he alive and well, but he is going to accomplish every single thing he said in his book. And if you aren't paying attention to that, then you really don't know what's going on in the world today. You're completely missing all of the stuff that is tied to the book of Revelation that's going on right now. And that is not just a few things. There's a lot. Now, we certainly don't want to take that out of context. Many do. And I've heard many take it out of context and, and, and start bringing it down a path that, no, that's not what it says. We, at the end of the day, we want to know what God said about the matter, okay? But regardless... Uh, <laughs> uh, we're, we're headed somewhere, and it certainly seems like we're going to get there a lot quicker than we may have thought. And either we're going to be ready or we're not. But, but what I want you to know is there is a world out there, and I was one of them, that don't know. They're so caught up, they're so blinded by the world, they're not paying attention to this stuff. Now, whether that be because they are willingly being ignorant to it, there's a lot of willing, willing ignorance, or they're just ignorant to it. No one's ever told them, really told them. Whatever it is, either way, it don't work out well for them in the end. Sin has a cost, and somebody's got to pay for it. Either we got to pay for it on our own, or by the gospel of Jesus Christ, according to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, we let Jesus pay for it. Whatever way that goes down, it's going to go down. You say, well, how do you know that? Because the Bible is very clear about those things, is it not? I mean, very clear. We are ministers of the gospel. We are ambassadors. If we don't open our mouths, who will? That's the question. And at the end of the day, whether we opened our mouth or whether we didn't open our mouth, that person who is as the Bible says, condemned already, they're going to hell. And and, and here's the crazy part. Most folks that I talk to, I'm sure you've had uh, your opportunities as well, they don't believe in that crap. That's exactly what they'll say. I don't believe that. Come on, man. You believe that? You believe God's going to send people to hell? I don't even believe God. I mean, come on, give me a break. This is all a joke. Yeah, I thought that one day too. Oh, no, it's not. It's not a joke. God has proven himself over and over and over and over and over and over and over. I could do this for the next hour. And over and over and over again that this book is not a joke. People just don't know it because most people don't know how to approach this book in the right way to show them that it's not a joke. But when you get to that place where you sanctify the Lord God in your heart, and when do you get to that place to where you're ready to always give an answer for the hope that's within you with 
meekness and fear. When you get to that place to show somebody and help somebody, And I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now that when you were born again, you were called for the same thing. And so was I. And either we're going to grab on to and understand the importance of what we've been called to do or not. Either we're going to continue to live our lives how we're so good at living them, all about my opinion, all about what I want. When I want it, where I want it, right? Either we're going to go there, which most, that's where they're at. Because this flesh, very, very strong. Very strong. Or, or we're, we're going to be one of the few that actually understands, truly understands, as Paul is talking about right here in Ephesians chapter 3, what our actual purpose in this world really is. You want to know what your purpose is? Well, if there is a God, and if he did create the world, and if he did create you and me, then he must have had a purpose. And finding out what that is, I don't know, might be important. Because most people don't have a clue what the purpose is. That's why we make it all about ourselves. That's why we're so caught up in the flesh. That's why this sin nature that is on us is so inviting. Because it gives us what we want. Right? Paul understood more than probably most. I mean, all you got to do is go read his battle with his own self over there in Romans chapter 8. And he starts talking about it, man. He's like, I do what I do. Or is it seven? Seven. Romans seven. I do what I do. I don't do what I want to do. I don't know what I'm doing here, but I know I'm doing that. I should be doing that, but God. But thank God. But thank God. We've got to get to that place where what's one of the wills of God? That we'd be thankful for what he did because our flesh is so powerful. It's got us wrapped up so much. It really is a, a, a sad thing. But Paul, he understood. And here's the thing. Some may argue that Paul wasn't the only one that received this gift or ministry. And what I'll say is, I'm not arguing that at all. I think others did too. And what I'm going to say is, and so what? Here's, here's the key. But Paul was the first one to receive it. And that's what we need to understand. Do I think eventually Peter and John and those guys all grabbed onto this? Yeah, I think they did. But they didn't before Paul did. And that is a very important distinction. Certainly right here in Ephesians 3, 5, he says that it, is, it was now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. And so, again, we ask, was Paul the only one to know about this mystery? And the answer, of course, is no. But it was Paul who was first trusted with this information. And by the way, when he says there, in other ages it was not known, it that is a very, very clear distinction of the fact that there are other ages. Because <laughs> it says it. That would be dispensations, my friends. Okay? That that's what he's talking about. And if you don't believe that's what he's talking about, just go back up into verse what? One? If you heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me, that's what he's talking about. There are other ages. There are other dispensations. He's very clear on that. Listen, it it is exclusively requiring that Paul be the first. And we say, why? Why did Paul have to be the first? Because Paul was the apostle to the... That's why. 
Peter, John, all those guys, they were apostles to the, the Jew, the circumcision. Okay? They, all they understood, all they knew, all they could understand, because it wasn't revealed yet, was that Jesus was Messiah to sit on the throne of Israel. And you crucified your king. That's what they knew. And if you pay attention to Acts 3 and 4, uh, when Peter starts to throw his sermons out there and stuff like that, that's exactly what they're talking about. They aren't talking about forgiveness of sin. They aren't talking about how Gentiles are going to be fellow heirs with, with Christ. They aren't talking about any of that. They didn't know it. They didn't understand that when Jesus died on the cross, it was for the sins of the world. They didn't understand that. Did they come to a place where they did understand it? Yes, just not yet. It had to be revealed to Paul first. They didn't understand Psalm 22, written a thousand years before Christ ever died on the cross, yet nailing down exactly, no pun intended, what was going to happen on that cross. They didn't understand Isaiah 53 and how Isaiah 53 talked about the fact that he was wounded for our transgressions. He, he died for the people in our place because there had to be an offering for sin. They didn't understand that. that. When he was here, they didn't get it. That's why Peter, when Jesus said, after three days, the Son of Man is going to be brought to Jerusalem. He's going to be beat up and crucified and all that. And Peter said, no, not so, Lord. Not going to happen. And what did, what did Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan, because Jesus knew exactly what he had to go do on that cross. He knew exactly why he came into this world. He knew exactly what needed to take place. Nothing was going to stop it. That's why preaching and teaching things like Jesus was praying in the garden that he didn't want to go to the cross, that's garbage. That's garbage. He could not be praying that if he did, he would have been praying against the fulfillment of Scripture. That's not what he was praying for. What he was praying for was if there's any other way we can do this where I don't have to be separated from you. That's what he was praying for. Pay attention and read what it actually says. Stop inserting stuff that's garbage that's going to lead people astray. It's wrong. We got to get this right. This is, this is important. We're talking about salvation here. It's not based on what we think. It's got to be based on what the book says. It just has to be. We can't take this and, and, and well, you know, that's just, you know, I mean, is it really that important? Is it in the book? It's that important. Right? Did, did God take the time of all the words he could have put <laughs> to put it in here? Is it important? Yes, it is. It is that important. And we've got to make sure that we understand that. And, and listen, Paul definitely understood that. He definitely understood that. He definitely understood the importance of words. Yes, was Paul the first, the chief, the source of knowledge of this mystery? The answer is yes, he was. In 1 Corinthians 3.10, he says, According to the grace of God, which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. Who did? P Paul laid the foundation. What? Wait a minute, man. I thought the apostles laid the foundation. They laid a different foundation. Why is that so hard to understand? Why, why, is, why just because something sounds similar does it have to be the same? Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, same thing. No, it's not. It's not the same thing. Why does Paul call it my gospel? Is, is he just an arrogant dude? 1 Corinthians 4, 5, he says, For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have not you not many fathers, for in Christ Jesus, what does that say right there? I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore, I beseech you. So here's that, here's that, that, uh, what? Well, Paul was the minister, right? Paul was the ambassador. Paul was, what, is, what does that say right there? He, he's telling the Corinthians, I beg you, I beg you, be followers of me. Do as I do in Christ. You think that you're not, 
Corinth. It was written to the church. Be followers of Paul. Do as he did. What, do you think the Lord was well pleased with Paul? What do you all think? I think he was. And do note this. As well pleased as the Lord was with Paul, one day an evil Caesar took Paul out back and had his head cut off. Well, the Lord couldn't have been very well pleased with Paul. <laughs> no, no. I have a feeling that made the Lord even more well pleased with Paul. I have a feeling what we're preaching up in this church house today, something ain't right. It just ain't right. It's not what these guys actually went through. It's not about what we can get out of this. It really isn't. It's about fulfilling our purpose. And that is what does he get out of you? It's a subtle difference, but it's the difference that makes all the difference in the world. It really is. In 1 Corinthians 15, 3, Paul says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. Who, what? For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I received. Who? Paul. You say, why are you hammering this home? Well, you know why I'm hammering it home if you've been around here at all. Do you see how dangerous Acts chapter 2 starts to get? We start getting more and more dangerous and more and more dangerous ground. Out of Acts chapter 2, this stuff, was, I mean, there's no way around it once you actually read what it's saying. Paul's very clear. I'm the one that received this. It was me. I'm the apostle to the Gentile. It's me. Now, now, Paul was also very humble about that. Because I'm the least of all the apostles, man. I'm a joke. I don't deserve it. Is what it is. Nonetheless, what God does, we have no right to tell him he's wrong. And, and look at 1 Timothy 1.16 when he's writing to Timothy and he says, Listen, how be it for this cause I obtain mercy. See, Paul knew. He needed to obtain mercy too. And he said that in me first. See that? That in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering. Why? For a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Do, do you see two major points I'm trying to make? The first one is a doctrinal point. The second one's a practical point. So don't miss either one of them. The first point is when it comes to the mystery that is being revealed here in chapter number three, how the grace of God was going to come upon the Gentiles, when it comes to that, that what when Jesus died on the cross, his, his death and his blood was shed for the sins of the world. When it comes to that doctrinal point, that wasn't revealed until Paul. Okay? But then the second point is, and Paul's making this very clear, okay, it was revealed unto me. I'm sharing all this information with you. Be followers of me as I am in a Christ. Do that which I do. I am a pattern for you to live after. There's your practical. So, as Paul went, so do we. Now, and I'm not, hey, listen, please, anybody, I'm just, let me just be pastor and let me just talk. Okay? Would Paul have been in church this morning? Would Paul have given this morning? Would Paul have, would Paul have served this morning? Would, would Paul have had to been asked 10 times that we still need one more person to help with the, the children? I'm going to tell you right now, and this is no disrespect, nobody steps up, I'll do it. I'll do it. Robert, you're just going to have to preach for me that day. I mean, we got enough ladies in this church, let's go. Why do we continuously have to ask for things that we need? We shouldn't. Do it. You don't have to pray about it. What are you praying about? There's nothing to pray about. Is it a need? Is it biblical? Then do it. <laughs> is that fair? I mean, is it fair? Come on, guys and gals. We've got to start acting like the church. We're very good. I think Paul, uh, Paul, Robert is not Paul. Uh, I think Robert has done a great job on Thursday night. 
last Thursday night letting us know, hey, man, we're a church that knows some things. And praise the Lord, we need to know them. But dang it, if we don't do anything with it, then what are we? What are we really? We're just inner focus. It's all about ourselves too. Why are we any better? Why? I would argue, do you not understand that that puts more of an onus on us on the Day of Judgment? God would be like, yeah, I know they didn't know, but you did. Like, you did know. We got to, we got to understand that Paul, man, if we really could truly understand what he's doing in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, if we really truly could understand those books, and if we could really truly understand just how much Corinth is very much, very much a very, very good picture of the United States today, maybe then we would start to understand uh, how this is going to go. And again, either Paul is completely bragging on himself, either he is the most proudful, boastful dude on planet Earth based on what he's saying, or something else is going on. Letter E there, it says, Paul the chief. Listen, he has highest authority concerning these things. That's what he's saying. You see, you see Galatians chapter 1, he says, I didn't confer with flesh and blood. I didn't go up to talk with the other apostles. No, I went and conferred with the Lord Jesus Christ in Arabia. And he's the one that showed me these things. And he says, he says there in, in, in Romans eleven thirteen, for I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, look what he says here. I magnify my office, even the more so, even the more so. For I suppose I was not whipped behind the very chiefest of apostles. Beside those things are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all churches. I am become a fool in glorying. You have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended of you. For in nothing am I behind the very cheapest apostles. Now, if he was an arrogant dude, if he was looking for just some authority, you know, he might have stopped right there. What does he say right there? I'd be nothing. He understood. He understood. Anything he was, anything he had, any grace that was given to him, was not him at all. It was all because of the Lord. And at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, the Lord had to reveal it to somebody. And, you know, you got to stop and think, why did he pick Paul? Gosh, I mean, John, you know, you ever thought, yeah, I mean, if you just stop and start considering those things, like, man, why didn't he go to John? Like, John, he was the, he was the, the, the disciple that Jesus loved. I mean, he, he, he gave John the whole Book of Revelation. Like, gosh, John, John literally put his head right on the heartbeat of God. I mean, John would have been the guy, right? Why did he pick Paul? I have a feeling why I, I know why he picked Paul. Because Paul was tenacious. He was sold out for what he did. And Paul wasn't going to keep his mouth shut. I'm not saying John would or would not. But some people just have that it factor. And I bet you Paul had that it factor and God knew it. You weren't going to shut Paul up for nothing. You weren't going to keep Paul down. You weren't going to get in Paul's way. Bro got beat. He got shipwrecked. He got bit by vipers. People mocked him. People laughed at him. People spit on him. People put him in jail. People... None of that stopped Paul. There was nothing that was going to get in Paul's way. He had a mission, and he did it. And he did it with more fervorance than maybe the rest of them could. And, what and, and can I say this? And he never once complained. Never once. 
Job had to get done, and he did it. Be ye followers of me. May I be a pattern to others also that believe on his name. Huh? If Peter, James, and John knew what had been revealed to Paul in their writings before Paul, let me just politely ask, show it. Show me. Show me where they did. And if I'm saying that, you know what I'm going to say after that. <laughs> you can't. Because they didn't. Paul was the sole source. Where else in Scripture is the phrase body of Christ, grace, cross, mystery? Where else in Scripture are they spoken about in such a way to reveal what they are? Only in Paul's epistles. Over 20 times the word mystery is used in reference to the church. And you will only find that in Paul's epistles. You've got to do something with that. The Jews, even today, and sadly, I've heard many Christians say this, okay? They'll say that Paul is the one that invented Christianity. And what they'll say is, so therefore, Christian, you should only go to the Pauline epistles. That's where you go. Don't go anywhere else. They, they call it Pauline's Christianity or Pauline's movement or the Paulinians or something along those lines. To this day, this stuff still goes on. Listen, listen. Let me just say something. That's wrong. That's wrong. First of all, Paul didn't start the or invented Christianity. Jesus Christ did. Okay, only, only a couple of people believe that? Yeah. Christianity did. We're not called Paulicians. Although you see, some people are. No, we're called Christians. You see? Okay. Paul didn't invent anything. All that happened with Paul is that God used Paul to reveal it to him. And when Paul penned stuff, he wasn't inventing anything. He was just writing what Christ revealed to him. You see that? Very, very, uh, very important that you understand that. The Jews will say that Paul invented Christianity, which is what I would say too. Just not that he invented it, but it was to him that it was revealed. Now, from a church perspective, should we hold the Pauline epistles to a very high regard? Well, yeah, because those are the ones that are actually, from, a, from the perspective of mail written to us, that is the mail specifically written to us. Absolutely. Does that negate the other books? Absolutely not. Paul's very clear on that right over there where in 1 Corinthians where he says, their picture, it's, 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 it's for our learning. Romans 15, 4 and 1 Corinthians 10, Right? Hey, go, go, don't, don't dismiss this stuff. It's for our learning. There's, there's stuff going on there. There's pictures. There's, I mean, it, yes, we were hidden, but now that we have the ability to go back and, and see it, learn the lessons that God is trying to teach us in and through it. 90% of the time, the word grace is used in Paul's epistles. Why would that be? Well, because it's the dispensation of grace. There you go. Every time the cross is spoken in a positive way, get this, don't miss what I'm about to say right here. Every time the, the cross is wrote, uh, 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 spoken in a positive way, and what I mean by a positive way, talking about how the death on the cross was for our sins, things like that, and what we get because of that blood, you're going to find it in Paul's epistles. When you see the cross in the other ones or even in the gospel, it's in a negative way. Death, suffering, things like that. Sadly, the issue is that people want everything that God has given, even if it was not given to them. 
pause. I'm going to say it, but then I'm going to get mocked for it for effect. Everybody, pe- people just want everything that God has given, even if it wasn't given to them. They just want to take it as if it's theirs. See, God has a plan and purpose before the world began, and it's our job to find out what is our purpose. And then do it. Because if all we know is what our purpose is, and we don't do anything with it, then what's the point? What's the point of knowing your purpose? You better do something with it. Paul is the minister of Christ to Gentiles. Uh, look at this passage here in Romans 15. I got it here in your booklet. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the Father. You see that now? Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision. Who's the circumcision? Wow. Wait a minute. So the, wait, I, I, thought, I thought the Gospels, man, I thought Gentiles. What, what, what is Paul saying here? And that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written. For this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. And again, he saith, rejoice, ye Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and laud him, all you people. And again, Isaiah saith, there shall be a root out of Jesse, and he that shall rise shall reign over the Gentiles. In him shall the Gentiles trust. Dropping down to verse 15 on the next page, it says, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort, as putting you in mind, because of the grace that is given to me of God that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. What he's saying is, what Paul's saying is, even when Jesus came, his ministry was to the Jew. Even when he was here, that's what his ministry was too. And now if you go back and you read in the gospels, wasn't it? Wasn't it? When a Gentile came up to him and said, hey, can you say, oh, hey, I, I didn't come for the Gentile, I came for the Jew. And Well, can't even, can't even a dog get a, get a peace with? Oh, how great of a faith you are. How great faith you have. So Jesus had no issues ministering to the, the Gentiles. Jesus would, but his ministry was to the Jew first. And it was the Jew, by the way, that made the decision to crucify him on the cross. Now that doesn't negate that we didn't get a play on that because unfortunately we do. Because just as at the cross and by the cross matters, it still matters. At the cross, yeah, the Jews messed up at the cross. They put their king and their Messiah on it. But by the cross, you and me put them on that cross too. And don't miss that point. Because if you miss that point, you are going to be one of those scoffers around that cross. Well, I wasn't even there. Don't blame me. Uh, Do you sin? Then I am going to blame you. And I am going to blame me. Well, I wasn't there. I mean, I have nothing to do with that. Yes, you did. And yes, I did. Our sin put him there. It put him there whether you like it or not. Your sin put him there. Every time they slapped him, every time when they took that hammer up and they nailed that nail in his hands, it was you. You may as well put the hammer right in your hand. You may as well have took the swing. I would have never have done that. Really? Really? You wouldn't have? You want to know what's going to happen to those Roman soldiers that they didn't put those nails into his hands? Do you want to know what was going to happen to them? They were going to turn around and get the nails put in their hands. So let's put yourself there now. Would you lift the hammer and throw and pound that nail? Because if you didn't, give it an hour and you'll be right next to him. You'll be right next to him. We've got to understand the reality of the situation. Sin has a price, and someone's going to pay for it. 
And whether we like that or not is beside the point. Sin's got a price. Someone's going to pay for it. Either, either you're going to let the one who came to die the death that we deserve do it, or you're going to do it. Either way, it's going to happen one way or the other. And if you don't believe that, if you don't think that, if you think that's all just baloney, if you think that's just all crazy talk from a bunch of Christians that don't, are clueless, and that's fine if you think that, listen, I confess, until I was 28, that's exactly what I believed. All I'm going to say is, you better make sure you're right about that. I hope you're not putting your faith in that in the basis off of what you're watching on TV. I hope you're not putting your faith in that on the basis of what you hear at the school you go to or what the, the book that you read said or, or what your parents tell you or what your friends tell you. Or I hope that's not where your faith is on that, that you really don't even know what you're talking about. You're just, you just know, well, I don't want to be a Christian. I don't want to buy into that stuff. So I'm just going to believe what everybody else says and not buy into that because, hey, what is that? You want to know what that's called? Can I help you with that? Can I help you with this? And, and listen, I can say it. I can say it because I was there. You want to know what that makes you? A sheep. Bah. You're just a sheep. You just follow everybody else. You just follow everybody else and what everybody else says. Is that, is that, is that how you're going to? You're going to lay down your eternity based on what somebody else that doesn't have a clue what they're talking about either says? That's where we're going to put this thing? This guy right here did. I wasn't basing my decisions on any facts whatsoever. I just knew I didn't want that. And I just knew that's not where I wanted to be. Saturday night, I wanted to go out to the bar with my friends, go hook up with some girls. That's what I wanted to do. This Jesus thing, come on, man. It's a joke. You people, you Christians, you're a bunch of idiots. You follow after that blind faith like you think. And then <laughs> I actually stopped and started to pay attention. And I started to do a little reading. And I started to look into things. And then what I realized is that I was the idiot. I was the moron. God's not the idiot. God paid for this idiot paid the price for him. We've got to get to the place. And listen, everybody in this room, I don't know if you say that or if you don't say that, but what I'm telling you is, and what I'm getting at is, if you do, do you understand? Do you understand what great responsibility comes with that? Do you understand that? Paul did. Paul understood. Great responsibility comes with this. Look what he says to the Corinthians in verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 16 and 17. He goes, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. Pausing for effect. What does that say right there? For necessity is laid upon me. Woe is unto me if I don't preach the gospel. Do you want to understand what he, in that moment, do you want to understand what he was thinking? I'm going to say it the frank way. How selfish it is to learn of the grace of God that he gave to you and then not share it with somebody else. It's the same thing. He said, woe unto me. How could, how could I not? Look what he did for me. How could I not tell someone else? For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me, and do you know what he's saying there? What he's saying there is judgment will come. There will be a judgment based on me when the dispensation comes. 
And when the Lord reveals to me, uh, and if you don't think that's what he's talking about, follow the line of thinking that starts right in 1 Corinthians 3. And then you'll go, okay, yeah, that's exactly what he's talking about. Again, in 1 Corinthians 15:8, he said, I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. You want to know why it wasn't in vain? You want to know why it wasn't in vain, folks? Because Paul didn't keep his mouth shut. Paul opened I can't speak because, you know, I don't like being laughed at. Okay. Okay. Listen, Paul states he did not deserve what was given to him. Yet he was empowered to be his chosen vessel, to establish this thing that God purposed from eternity, revealed to Paul. You would think maybe Paul or John would have been, or Peter or John would have been first in line for this, but no, Paul was. It is important to note how we preach Christ in the proper dispensation. Uh, I would say you might want to star that statement right there. You might want to underline that statement. You might want to really pay attention to that statement because it is important to make sure you note that. Because if you preach Christ from a perspective of the wrong dispensation, you're going to lead people to hell. Yes, he is found on every page, and yes, we can learn from that. But doctrinally speaking... We cannot preach God's work that he did with Moses and apply that to the body of Christ. He picked Paul to be an example to us. Such a high position, taken down low and given such an important ministry, so undeserved of it. And he says, I am least, the least of all saints. It's been the grace has been given that I should preach among the Gentiles. What does that say right there? The unsearchable riches of Christ. The unsearchable. Let me close with this. Let me close with this. 1 Corinthians, chapter, uh, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians, chapter number 13. Uh, go with me there real quick. I want to show you something. Now, let me, let me remind you, let me remind you, Paul is writing to Corinth. Okay? Corinth is a pretty darn good picture of the United States today. Major, major problems up in that church. They had some serious issues. They had issues with money. They had issues with self-opinion. They had issues with self-glory. They had issues with Man, that sounds like the United States today. Uh, that sounds like the United States church today. Uh, because it is. This isn't by mistake. And Paul writes these two letters from the perspective of not condoning what they're doing, not telling them what a great job they're doing, keep it up. No. He's writing from a perspective of, y'all better get right. Y'all better fix this. Because... Trouble's coming. 1 Corinthians 3 talks about the judgment seat of Christ. Yeah. Listen, trouble's coming. And right at the end of the, the 2 Corinthians, you're getting close to the end there. And now he's wrote, he has written two letters to them, chastising them. And look what he says there in verse 5. All right. Now, now, now look at it. If you name the name of Christ right now, please pay attention to what I'm about to say. Pretend like Paul was sitting right here saying these words to you. Well, I can't do that. I mean, I don't know Paul would really say that because Paul wrote it. This is what he said. Ready? Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves? 
how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be a reprobate? All right, so let's do a little quick self-examining. It's interesting because Brother uh, uh, Bill sent me and Robert some self-examining questions this week. I don't know if he knew I was going here or not. I'm going to think he didn't. Uh, but it was pretty kind of some similarities there for sure. Okay, but here we go. You ready? Everybody ready? What if everyone in church prayed like I do? How'd we do? Self-examine. Ask yourself. If everybody prayed like you do, how would the church be doing? Now, if we just stop right there, let me say, the success or the failure of the church is going to be based on how you answered that question. How would we do? What if everyone read, studied, and lived their Bible like I do? How would the church be doing? Is it hitting home for anybody yet? Because it should. How would the church be doing if everybody did it the way I did it? What if everyone gave financially the same percent as I give? What if everybody in the church did that? I mean, I know the Bible's pretty clear about the tithe. I know the Bible's pretty clear about giving. I know the Bible's pretty clear about what that tithe and what giving is. So what if everybody did it? I'm not saying everybody gave the same as you because some people have been blessed more than others and can give more. What I'm saying is tithe means a tenth. What if everybody gave based on your percentage that you're giving off of what God has prospered you with? How would we be doing? What if everyone was committed to church attendance like me? How would we be doing? What if everyone served like I serve in the church? How would we be doing? Finally, what if everyone was committed to the work of the Lord? Like I'm committed to it. Winning people to Christ. Building them up in their faith, in discipleship. Discipling and being discipled. And then sending them out to do the same thing. Being the ambassador and the minister that I've been called to do. Now, I don't say that to shame anybody. I do say that to say, do know. Do know. I believe with all my heart, as I think some of you probably do as well, that when Paul stands before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ to give his account, well pleased is probably going to come out of his mouth. What do y'all think? What I know is, and what I may suggest, <laughs> is that Paul did all these things. No, he didn't. Uh, yeah, he did. I can show you every single place in the Bible where Paul did all these things. Okay. May I suggest... Let's just make this as simple as we can. I know around this church, man, we are very doctrinally orientated. And we should be, and that's good, and the Bible preaches us to be. I'm with you there. Good. But I want to try to make this simple. Let's just bring it down to simple. There you go, man. There you go. What if everyone in the church prayed like I do? What, what if everyone read, studied, and lived their Bible like I do? What if, what if, what if uh, uh, everyone gave financially like I do? 
What if everyone was committed to attendance like I am? What if everyone served like me? What if everyone was committed to the work of the Lord as me? And if you cannot, here's, now here's, here's the end of it, ready? Here's the question. How you answer those questions, and I'm going to ask this last question. What would happen to Christianity right now if you were the last one on earth? You're the last Christian. Either Christianity is going to fervently do what it did in that first century, or it's going to die out based on your actions right now. Watch how you just answered those. If you're being honest with yourself, can, can I just politely, as your pastor, say, I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm trying to get you to self-reflect. Trying to help you understand this is Christianity. What? Christianity wants my money. No, Christianity, God don't need your money. I get it. Are there churches out there that are robbing you and robbing God? Yes, they are. I am not arguing that point at all. What I am saying, though, is you all been around this church long enough. You know you can go look at our financials. Are we? Or are we doing what the Bible tells us to do with the funds? So don't go there. What I'm asking you is, if you can't look at that stuff, and if you go, man, you know what, Pastor, man, I'm, I mean, to be honest, yeah, Christianity dies out. We're done. Christianity's over. Then can I just suggest to you, Christ is in you? Christ is in you and Christianity died out? Maybe, as Paul was writing to the Corinthians, we're reprobates. We sure like to call ourselves Christians. We sure like to pretend like we're Christians. But at the end of the day, I mean, if Christianity would die out with me if I was the last one right now, am I really a Christian? Yeah? Anybody? Does that, 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 that hit anybody? Because it should. Now listen, we can walk out of here with our head hang low and go, oh my gosh, I'm not a Christian. I stink. What am I going to do now? Oh my. Or we can go, you know what? That pastor, he's loud. That pastor, man, sometimes he gets in my face. But darn it, the pastor's right. Why? Why is the pastor right? Because that's what Paul wrote. <laughs> it's not because I'm right. It's what Paul wrote. I need to be a Christian. I don't want Christianity to die out if it, start, if it ended with me. How simple is that? How simple is that? Don't let Christianity die out if it ended with you. Let it die out because it ended with the person next to you. Let God deal with them. Not me, though. Not me. Right, Claude? What were they saying? Not me, not now. <laughs> Only the older folks know what I'm talking about right now. Listen, not me. Christianity will not end with me. Can we all say that? I don't care what you said an hour ago. I don't... What I'm asking you is, when you walk out that door, right now, can't do anything about what you did an hour ago. But what you can do is about what you're going to do when you walk out that door. Is Christianity going to end with you if you're the last one? Hopefully. If y'all, man, if y'all knew the grace of God, if you all knew what he gave you, if you all understood what you deserve, if you all understood the death you deserved, if you all understood how much he loves you and how much he cared for you and how much he still cares for you and all the blessings that he will give you. So what? So I can live my life and be happy and be great and God is just going to give me all these great things. See, if you walk out that door and you don't care if Christianity would die or not, that's your mindset. 
what God gave to me, hey. No, 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 no. No, no, no. If we haven't learned anything in Ephesians, what have we learned? God gave it to you for a purpose. And is that purpose for you? What's Ephesians 3.21 say? No. It's for his glory. For his honor. Paul says, I beseech you. <laughs> I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him. Be crucified with him. Put yourself to death. Because if you don't, one day it will, it will be put to death. Anybody in this room going to raise their hand and say, well, I'll defeat death. I got that. I got that beat. Listen, you don't have that beat unless the rapture happens. Anybody think they're going to defeat death? No. So, so here's the thing, okay? When that day comes, it's pointed on to man who wants to die. And after this, the judgment. Which judgment are you going to? And how are you going to answer those questions? And what if, I don't know that he would, I'm just throwing it out there. What if God looked at you and said, man, if Christianity would have ended, how would it have ended with you? Everybody on earth were gone and you were the last Christian. Would it have continued? <sighs> Pastor, come on, give it a break. Are you kidding me right now? That's never going to happen. There was a time when there was only 12 of them. Did you hear me? There was a time when there was only 12 of them. How do you think those 12 could answer those questions? They were Christians. They took the Lord seriously. They understood what the Lord did. How about us? Don't walk out the door the same you came in. Because I guarantee you there's not a person in this room, myself included, out in front, myself included, that can look at that list and go, yeah, I got all those down good. I'm good. I'm perfect with all those. Christianity ain't dying out with me. We need to be better. We need to be better for him because he gave us his best. That's why we do it. That's why we do it. Because he gave it all to us when we didn't deserve it. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, Lord. We want to thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your church. Thank you for uh, the mystery being revealed to Paul. Help us to understand that as Paul uh, uh, tried to show us and be an example to us as we are to be, help us to be that. Paul, Paul certainly didn't want Christianity to die out with him. So I, I pray that we be a church in these last days that wouldn't want Christianity to die out with me. Lord, uh, right now, I commit to you First and foremost, as my Savior, knowing that I needed you because without you, but Lord, I, I commit to you right now as you died on that cross, as you spilt your blood, as you uh, paid for my sin in hell, and as you raised again on the third day to show me that I too I too could put myself to death. I too could bury my own self. I too could be raised again the third day, a new man in Christ. I too could do those things if I put my faith and trust in you, if I repent of my sin, if I just turned from it and put my faith and trust in the only one that could save me as you commended your love toward us 
that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. Much more than being justified from your blood, we are saved from the wrath to come. Lord, thank you for that gift. And because of that gift you've given to me, because of what you've done for me, Lord, I commit to you right now. I'm sorry that I have not been all that I could be, all that I should be. But Lord, I'm committing to you right now. I'm going to be. Christianity is not going to die out with me. If you believe that, can you say amen? Amen. Amen.